Okay, people, fantasy draft season is over, and you, Brewski, 150 your way to a hell of a team. The season is here, and the Fantasy Pass is still the best deal in the industry at just $4.99 a month. And now that we're into the regular season, there's zero commitment. Sign up for one month for just 5 bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel it. We know you'll love it. You'll say you'll keep it. But anyways, it's nice to have options in life. The Fantasy Pass has everything you need to dominate all year long. Updating projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, and our newest and coolest feature, the Hoop Ball Discord server, where you can hang out with all our hoop ball pros, including myself, around the clock to get one-on-one help with your team. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall and get the plug for your success for the fantasy basketball season. The following is a hoop ball presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds one. Trey Slaughter. cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this on Thursday, March 11th, ahead of the beginning of the second half of the NBA season for your Atlanta Hawks, which opens tonight in Tampa, Florida, when your 11th place Atlanta Hawks take on the eight-seeded Toronto Raptors here in the Eastern Conference. The team had a little bit of momentum going into All-Star break, but we will certainly review a rather disappointing first half to the regular season by our standards for this team going into the season this year. We'll talk about the rest of the games in the month of March, including the eight-game West Coast road trip that this team will embark on. And the Hawks have a lot of work to do in the second half of the season, but I believe that they can string some games together in order to finish strong and get close to my predictions from the beginning of the year. And we'll dive into all of this after this plug for my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies... Love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%. Just like an A plus in school. 
Hopefully you got them. But if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie. And the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter. And you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some, in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. We're going to briefly cover the first half of the season, some of the big things, big takeaways, and then we're going to move forward to the second half of the season, which starts again tonight. And I'm really excited to see how the Hawks team looks after a break and how they're going to continue to build momentum on what they have established in those two games going into All-Star break. The season started off relatively well for the Atlanta Hawks. They were healthy, relatively coming out the gates. Started out 4-1, and then they went on a four-game losing streak to follow that 4-1 and start, and that will be the first of two four-game losing streaks in the first half of the season. A lot of seesaw results, win a few games, lose a few games, look good in, in this performance against certain team, and then they come flat the next game. And this was due to a lot of injuries in the first half of the season. Talking about Bogey, who was out for most of the first half of the NBA regular season. DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish missing a few games. Gallinari missing several games. Rondo not being consistently healthy himself. Trey Young has missed a game or two. Capella has missed one or two games. And pretty much the most consistent players to play night in, night out have been John Collins and Kevin Herter for the most part for this Atlanta Hawks team. So it's been hard to really develop team chemistry with the new additions that the Hawks had this offseason, meshing with the players that already exist on this current roster because they really haven't spent a lot of time together on the court. Dating back to the shortened training camp, shortened preseason, and then boom, they have to jump into the regular season. And it's still going to be a work in progress through the second half of the season after they continue to get pieces back. We still haven't seen Chris Dunn debut for the Hawks. You know, Tony Snell, another addition in a trade with Detroit this offseason. He missed several games, and he has been a pretty good piece for them as of late for this Hawks team. So we haven't had a full deck to play with as far as this Atlanta Hawks roster. So I'm really excited to see that all come together, hopefully soon, in the next month or so for this Hawks team. And that's also led to some inconsistent lineups. And it was also clear that based on the decision that everybody's well aware of now that we have moved on from Coach Lloyd Pierce and now Coach Nate McMillan, very tenured head coach in the NBA, is now leading this team for the remainder of the season. And it was clear for me from about halfway through the first half of the regular season that this team wasn't really responding to Coach Lloyd Pierce. And I've heard things circulating about him not vibing well with Trey Young. And you see after him being let go by the team, how his relationship, how it was with John Collins, Cam Reddish, and how the players were just wanting a new voice to lead this team. And under Coach Roy Pierce in the first half of the season, the Hawks went 12-19 and 19 under him versus when Nate McMillan was leading the team, the Hawks were 4-1. and one. 
And then those five games, they beat some pretty good teams, including a couple playoff teams there. And they had a tough schedule first half of the season. Very tough matchups when you have to go against Utah twice, who has one of the best records in the NBA right now. You have the Lakers. You played them once. You played the Milwaukee Bucks once. You played the Nets three times. You played Boston three times already. You played Denver, Dallas twice. And out of those teams that I mentioned, the Hawks only won four of those ten games. The Hawks have lost a lot of winnable games, in my opinion. We talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers twice. You talk about the Charlotte Hornets twice. The Knicks, in my opinion. There's some games that the Hawks dropped that they should have won. And those are going to be true killers. And they're killers at this point when you look at how tight the standings are in the Eastern Conference, that if they could have gotten some of these games, how much of a different conversation we would be having. And maybe Lloyd Pierce is still leading this team if, you know, they won some of those games that they dropped. But it did not shake out like that, and we are where we are for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And it still sickens me that we lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers twice, the way that we did, letting Colin Sexton just... Just do whatever he wanted against us. So we're going to have to move forward. We're going to have to win games against winnable opponents. We're going to get another shot at the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I can't wait for that opportunity with Nate McMillan leading this team to see how they respond and how well prepared they'll be to go out and execute in that game. And if you just focus on losing to the Cleveland Cavaliers twice, with their current record right now, as far as the Hawks being 16-20, and 20, if they could have won those two games against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Hawks would be 18 and 18 right now, 500 record. And they would currently be the seventh seed in the East instead of being 11th where they currently are right now. And right now, even being 11th in the East, the Hawks are a game out from the eight seed, which, as I said before, is the Toronto Raptors, who we play tonight. And we also sit three games back from the four seed, Boston Celtics who he beat two out of three times this year already. So if we could have won some games that we did not win in the first half, we would be in a better position and we might have a different conversation. There might be a different type of buzz around this team than what we currently have right now, even though I think it's going in a positive direction. And I think that they needed to move on from Coach Lloyd Pierce personally. But as easily as they could be seven, six seed, if they could have taken care of business some of these games that I mentioned, they're also three games ahead of the Orlando Magic, who they beat to close out the first half of the NBA regular season so far. And the Orlando Magic are second and last in the East right now. So it's imperative that the Hawks get out to a quick start as far as this second half of the season because you string it together a couple of losses, you can end up second to last in the East right now. But if you take care of business and win some games to get out the gate as they have a tough schedule coming forward with the eight-game road trip out west, and we'll talk about that in a few, things could be drastically different right now for the Hawks. So in the words of Boosie, woulda, coulda, shoulda, all we can do is focus on the next game, the next day, the next opportunity. And it starts tonight with players like Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet being out for the Raptors. The Raptors are always a tough team. They're well-coached. So they're certainly going to give some effort, but I expect us to win, and I expect us to win 
a few of the next games coming up before we make this trip out west. As I mentioned before, injuries crippled this team, and that kind of led to the disappointing start for the Atlanta Hawks this year. But in the midst of all the injuries, I'm going to talk about the most disappointing player for the Hawks for the first half. We're going to talk about the most surprising player for the Hawks. For me, most disappointing player for me is easily, and as easy as Cam Reddish would be right now for this target, I'm going to say Rajon Rondo. We signed Rajon Rondo to a contract this offseason. He's coming off an NBA championship. It's true. You don't know what you're going to get from Rondo night in, night out in the regular season because everybody knows him as, you know, playoff Rondo and his historically great performances and how motivated would he be to win with a young roster, with a team that really didn't have a strong identity yet. All their identity is right now is that Trey Young is their star player. Other than that, there's a lot of uncertainty with his team. So we were really looking for Rondo to come in. Yes, he's going to take some nights off. He did have a shortened offseason compared to the rest of the Hawks roster. So he was going to maybe not play every night. But when we had him on the court, when you got him in games, I thought he was going to make a bigger impact, especially with that second unit. And... He hasn't really been consistent. And maybe he is also trying to find his rhythm with this team as well. So I think it's it's easier to say for a lot of people, Cam Reddish has been disappointing because it's his second year and you're comparing him next to DeAndre Hunter and seeing how great DeAndre Hunter was doing before he got hurt and say, wow, why isn't, why isn't Cam Reddish playing like this? Why is Cam Reddish compared to DeAndre Hunter such a letdown? And again, it's both of their second years in the NBA. What DeAndre Hunter is doing is tremendous. It is unheard of for a lot of people, for a lot of players in their second year of uh, NBA career. Even though he was a top five pick, a lot of people do not see him as a top five pick. And when you think about comparative ceilings between DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, and me included going into the season, I said that Cam Reddish has a higher ceiling than DeAndre Hunter. But then on the court, we're getting so much more production out of DeAndre Hunter this second NBA season compared to Cam Reddish. So it's easy to say, yeah, Cam Reddish has been extremely disappointing. And he has been very inconsistent first half of the NBA season, very inconsistent with his shooting, his scoring. But the one thing that has been consistent is his defensive effort. So with him being you know, a second-year pro, still trying to figure it out and when you hear about how he truly felt, according to sources, about Coach Lloyd Pierce, I can somewhat give him a pass. We're going to need more from him, and we're going to need him to get healthy as he's battling an Achilles issue right now that could put him out for about a month. So hope you get well, Cam Reddish. But I'm going to put it on Rajon Rondo, who's been there, done that, who's been in the league for 10-plus years and has two rings and... We're going to need everyone on this team if we're going to make a run. And I expect Rajon Rondo to have taken the necessary rest during this All-Star break and come back refreshed. And hopefully he can play more than just every other game. Maybe he can string some games together and then we rest him and really save him for this stretch coming up because we're going to need him coming off our bench, especially when everyone gets healthy, setting things up and increasing the production 
of this bench once we continue to get a full deck and everyone back from injury. And on the flip side, the most surprising player, I'm going to have to go with DeAndre Hunter. I mean, that's easy for me. DeAndre Hunter is easily the most surprising player. In a close second for me, Clint Capella. So DeAndre Hunter, obviously being the second leading scorer on the team before he went out with injury, easily one of the best defenders on his team. And his consistent production night in, night out when he is on the court is it speaks for itself, especially for a second-year player. And this is not common for second-year players to really just be this consistent for this team, especially with all the players that we have added this offseason. So what DeAndre Hunter was doing before he went out with the injury has been spectacular. But Clint Capella as well, who in my opinion should have been an all-star, great with rim protection. On the defensive end for the Hawks, he's been great as a rim runner. He's been setting the tone, rebounding the ball, playing with energy, playing with effort. That is contagious and it spreads out through the rest of the team. Clint Capella has, outside of obviously Trey Young and DeAndre Hunter when healthy, Clint Capella has been the most consistent player this year for the Atlanta Hawks. And that's a shock to me, surprise to me, because everyone would expect that to be John Collins, who has been consistent for the Atlanta Hawks this year, but he's had some ebbs and flows, and that has a lot to do with how many touches they get in the game and what the game plan is, and that's another conversation. But Clint Capella has been nothing but spectacular and a huge surprise. I thought he was going to come in being a 12-11 and 11 guy, 13-11 and 11 guy, and he's had several games with 15-plus rebounds, and even 20-plus rebounds and scoring 20 points in a game multiple times this year, a whole bunch of double-doubles right now. And I'm not talking about the McDoubles at McDonald's. He is getting after it night in and night out, taking the challenge of whoever the center is on the other team, taking on that defensive responsibility, and trying to also bring it on the offensive end when his number is called. So those two players, DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella, easily most surprising players for me for the Atlanta Hawks thus far in the first half of the season. Now, changes that may need to be made, whether it's scheme or personnel, with the second half looming. Naturally, that draws the conversation of what happens with John Collins. And I'm going to continue to say this on this program. I don't want to get rid of John Collins. I love what John Collins does for this team. And I think we need to give him the ball more and let him shine and let him eat like John Collins did in that first matchup with the Miami Heat before break with when he had 36 points. Like those are those are the games I want to see from John Collins and I want him to consistently score about 22 to 23 points per game, grab him 11 boards, get him a block and a half uh per game and continue to shoot 40% and higher from the three-point line. But if the Hawks are not going to sign him this offseason, we do not want a situation like the Kings with Bogey and how we landed Bogey this year. We don't want to leave it up to other teams who have the money and have the cap space to sign him to a max deal. We don't want to chuck that up. And we don't want to let him walk for nothing. So the Hawks are going to either have to trade him and get value from him now and continue to just focus on building around Trey Young and letting the pieces that are here in Atlanta and whatever they acquire to see kind of audition as to, all right, what is best for this team? 
with the structure that we have and continue this evaluation period that this season truly is as far as the players on the roster and what is the best assortment of talent that is going to hopefully lead to an NBA championship in the next five years while you have Trey Young. But if you don't trade him, I would love to sign him in the offseason. I mean, Tony Snell is on a one-year contract, $12 million. That's going to be gone after this regular season. And the Hawks make some other tough decisions, as we see around the NFL right now with cap space. A lot of teams are making tough decisions. And we're going to probably have to make some tough decisions as well to trade or move around some pieces if we're going to sign John Collins. So I'm of the mindset that if we're not going to sign him this offseason, we must trade him before the deadline to get something for him because you do not want him to walk out the door for nothing. And on top of that, there are a lot of thirsty teams in the East that would love to render John Collins' services, and you would rather control where John Collins goes instead of just letting him walk scot-free to whatever franchise he wants to go. Again, we need to keep him, but I don't get paid the big bucks to make that decision. And, of course, the last splash of the first half of the regular season was the firing of Lloyd Pierce, which... A lot of fans called for, but I know a lot of coaches were outraged because of all he's done in the city of Atlanta with social activism, uh, voting rights leading up to the recent election for the president of the United States in the Senate races here in Georgia. He's done a lot off the court. But when you see the articles surface, when you see how players really felt about him and some of the things that I kind of mentioned on the program as the surface level things that I kind of noticed that there was a little bit of disconnect and they really did not trust Lloyd Pierce as far as the players in that relationship did seem severed between the top players and Lloyd Pierce. It became evident that this team needed a new voice and wanted change and a change was made. And as much as I don't want to see, you know, an African American coach get fired in the NBA as you know, those opportunities are far and few between in the NBA and as well as professional sports in general. But I and others really thought there needed to be a change, and I think this change is going to be for the better. We saw how this team responds to Nate McMillan when he leads the team. As we saw before, 4-1 under Nate McMillan this year. He is a tenured coach. In those games where they played, they played with a little bit better effort. They looked prepared. They had a game plan. It was easy to execute. They understood the game plan, and... Outside of that Boston game where the Celtics in that second game of a two-game series went bonkers in the second quarter, and then the Hawks did try to make a comeback effort to make it interesting in the second half, the Hawks have played some pretty dominant ball under Nate McMillan, and they were getting dominated by the Orlando Magic and the Achilles heels for the Hawks has been the fourth quarter the entire season. Under Nate McMillan, they play a lot better in the fourth quarter, and it all came to a head with that 19-point comeback in the fourth quarter in Orlando to close out the first half of the regular season. And when I saw all these things and saw how this team was responding to Nate McMillan, it gave me a lot of hope that with some rest, when you get some players back, this team can do it. This team can string together some games and – put themselves in a position to get to the playoffs. I truly believe that they can do it. 
They have a coach that, that they trust, they believe in, and his record speaks for itself here in the NBA with the teams he's had. I mean, he's only had, what, four losing seasons as a head coach in the NBA. That is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Sure, he hadn't made it past the second round in the NBA playoffs ever, but with him having teams that are always competitive, they're always good defensively, they're always tough, he is a leader that this team can look to as this team is trying to figure out their identity. He's a stabilizing force. He's been there, done that. He's tenured. And I think that trust that this team has in Nick McMillan translates to them playing better on the court. And I think it's going to pay dividends here in the second half of the NBA regular season. So we'll talk a little bit more about the second half of the season, my predictions, previews, all of that after this plug for Bruce Letter. Okay, quickly, we need to pause the show for an announcement. And it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh, yes. Back and fresh for the 2020-2021 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Bruski, the GOAT, is writing an email newsletter filled with its most intimate fantasy nuggets. It's exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else it's not on the website it's not on any podcast it's not on social media it's only in an email newsletter and you can sign up to get it for free i said it for free just go to bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021 and sign up in 10 seconds Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. Ten seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021. And you get it straight from the GOAT and Brewski into your inbox and enjoy the nuggets to help you succeed in your fantasy basketball league. All right, and we are back. And as I said before, it is imperative that the Atlanta Hawks get out to a fast start to give themselves a chance to keep up pace with teams in the East and to potentially jump some teams in the East going forward. They have a pretty favorable schedule, in my opinion, to start off the second half of the NBA season. Then it gets tough as they book it out West, shake it out West with an eight-game road trip on the West Coast that bleeds into early April. As I said before, they will start tonight on the road versus Toronto down in Tampa, They'll come back home, take on the Sacramento Kings and the Cleveland Cavaliers in a back-to-back. I expect us to win both of those games, especially as I'm really circling that game against Cleveland. We really owe them one, in my opinion. Then we fly out to Houston, take on a Houston team that was really struggling going into All-Star break with injuries and just getting wins in the win column right now. And then we get another shot at Oklahoma City here in Atlanta. In my opinion, we should, especially with Toronto missing some players, at worst, we should go 4-1 in this stretch. At worst, 4-1, which could put the Hawks in a pretty good position going on this West Coast road trip, which will start on March 20th when they fly out to L.A. to take on the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers. Then they will play the Los Angeles Clippers two days after that. Then they will travel up the state of California to Sacktown to take on the Sacramento Kings. Then two days later, they will take on the Golden State Warriors in the Bay on ESPN. 
the only ESPN contest that the Hawks have in the second half of this NBA season. After taking on the Warriors on ESPN, they'll fly out to Denver, who I'm sure is going to look to try to get revenge against us after we took care of business under Nate McMillan here in Atlanta against the Nuggets. And then we'll take on the Suns in Phoenix in a makeup game that was supposed to be January 13th, but it was postponed due to contact tracing in the Phoenix Suns locker room. The Hawks will end that eight-game road trip taking on the San Antonio Spurs in a rematch in San Antonio and in the road trip against Zion and the New Orleans Pelicans before coming back to Atlanta on April 4th to take on the Golden State Warriors. So, in my prediction, in that 13-game stretch, I said I hope they, I think they're going to go four and one to start off. You know, the first five games of this of the second half of this NBA regular season, and I think in this 13-game stretch, I see six and seven personally. I see six and seven. They're going to play some really tough teams. Some teams are going to lift their chops to try to get revenge against them, and vice versa for the Hawks. And if they go six and seven in this stretch, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's really close to 500. I mean, six wins, six and seven in a 13-game stretch is not bad, especially with where the Hawks are coming from, being four games under 500 right now. That would put them a little bit closer to 500 ball, and then the rest of the second half of this NBA season is a little more favorable for the Hawks. So they got to just kind of weather this storm as an eight-game road trip is just tough with the travel, you know, a different city every two nights, some back-to-backs. Really good opponents out west. I mean, it's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tough. But they're going to continue to get healthy, and they're going to need to win win these games in order if they're going to get to where they want to go as far as playoffs at the end of the season. So they're going to have to prove themselves, and they're going to have to put themselves in a position to be considered a playoff team down this stretch. As I said before, things do not get necessarily easier, but they have some opportunities going forward, if the Hawks and played like they closed out the first half of the regular season under Nate McMillan, playing better defense, executing the game plan, and finishing strong in the fourth quarter, bringing that consistent energy, effort, consistent execution, and improved health. These will all be keys for the Hawks going forward if they want to close out the season with the lofty goals that they had set forth for them, which is the playoffs. They will gradually improve their chemistry once everyone gets back. They have some, you know, big games as far as games that they need to win. And these may not be the top teams in the NBA, but these are games against teams that are comparable to them that they're going to need to, you know, get it done. These are games that they have to win, must win. You can't lose these games. And some of these teams are going to be looking to get after us. We have a matchup with the Memphis Grizzlies in the second half of the schedule. They're going to be looking for revenge against us on April 7th here in Atlanta. It's going to be a tough matchup, especially when you got Ja, Jonas Valachunas, Jaron Jackson could be back any day now. Desmond Bain and the, the crew, Grayson Allen, the dirty guy who really likes to get into it with Trey Young. They've been playing well. And that is a team that is and playing conversation in the West right now. That's going to be a big game for us. The Bulls will look to get revenge on us after we thumped them on opening night in the United Center up in Chi-Town. We're going to have to play them two more times, both here in Atlanta. 
and the Bulls have been playing well in the first half of this season. So they're not, they're not going to be a slouch. We get a rematch versus the Hornets up in the Queen City. We play Milwaukee twice here in Atlanta. We get two more cracks at Nate McMillan's old team, the Indiana Pacers, after we blew that game here in Atlanta versus the Pacers. We're going to get two more chances against them. We got a rematch versus the New York Knicks on April 21st. We have a two-game series versus the Philadelphia 76ers April 28th and the 30th. We welcome Dame Dollar to Atlanta on May 3rd. We got to play the Phoenix Suns here at home on May 5th. We have a two-game series here in Atlanta versus the Washington Wizards May 10th and 12th. So there's some tough games that I mentioned for the Hawks, but there are some you know games that are must-wins, and they have... They have the tools, they have the coach, they have the pieces, they're going to get healthier. They have what it takes to win some of these games against teams who I think they should beat. It's just a matter of them going out and executing, being healthy, bringing that focus, bringing that energy, and finishing, finishing every game, finishing every game. And I have a prediction to end the regular season. I think that with the more favorable schedule that the Hawks have out after they get through, you know, the first five games and then that eight game road trip. So that 13 game stretch after that, I can realistically see the Hawks finishing the regular season 21 and 14. I can see it. They can string some wins together, catch fire, build some continuity amongst the players with Nate McMillan Especially when you go on an eight-game road trip, that's a time where teams really get close together because you're not at home. You're not going to your individual residence. You're hanging at the same hotel. Um, it forces guys to you know talk, have conversation, watch film together, and you know really build bonds. And this eight-game road trip is really going to be really good for this Hawks team, in my opinion. And I think that if they can weather the storm, as I said, go six and seven there, I think they could finish the second half of the NBA season going twenty-one and fourteen which would put their regular season record, if they can do that, at 38 and 34, which is close to my prediction. As I said, I think the Hawks can win anywhere from 36 to 38 games this year with the roster they have assembled. If you end up the season 38 and 34, that's above 500. Certainly puts them in the conversation to being in the playoffs, probably a seven seed in my opinion. And it's very plausible for this team, especially if they continue to get healthy. They continue to play better on the defensive end. Have some solid game planning from Coach Nate McMillan. I think that, as I said before, the eight-game road trip will help them gel and build some chemistry. And hopefully they can catch fire and be a tough out in the playoffs. And I think that, as I said, if they end up as a seven seed, I think that the Sixers will end up as a two seed in the East with the Nets playing great ball. And I've foreseen them being the number one seed in the East. If the Hawks can be a seven seed, play the Sixers, and then play them tough, maybe make it six-game series. I think it builds a lot of momentum going into the offseason and gives management and his staff and figure out where, obviously, whoever you're going to bring in as the head coach. But it gives them a lot to chew on and see as far as evaluation goes for this roster. Where do we go from here as a franchise? What decisions do we make this offseason? Who do we sign? Who do we trade? What is the collection of talent, as I said before, that we want to put together on this roster around Trey Young to hopefully capitalize on a potential championship window 
here in the next five, six years, however long, you know, we have Trey Young and some of these pieces here on this team. A lot of questions to be answered, a lot of anticipation. With me personally, I'm very optimistic about the second half of the season for the Hawks, and I'm excited to see where it's going to go for this team. And you as Hawks fans, you should be excited as well. And it starts tonight. Let's see what a great effort they can give. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it. Tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. That's no cap. Numbers do not lie. I thank you guys for your support and your continued listening of this program. We're going to only get better as this team gets better the second half of the season. I think it's going to be a fun one. So buckle up. Get your popcorn ready. Like T.O. said, it's going to be a show. And tune in every this episode drops for the Hoopball Hawks. Get your popcorn ready because I'm going to try to put on a show for you guys. I'm going to try to give you all the facts. Keep it real. Give you a different perspective. But we're going to talk about your beloved Atlanta Hawks. So share this podcast with fellow Hawks fans and basketball enthusiasts across the globe. Follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That's at HoopBallHawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett, 67. That is Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T, 67. And as always, yay!